This is Cult Scene's K-Pop Unmuted, a podcast dedicated to in-depth discussion of K-Pop. We're your hosts, Stephen Knight. And Tamar Herman. And on this episode, we're discussing Monster X with our guest, Taylor Glassby. Hi, Taylor. Taylor is a London-based music writer who writes for Guardian and Dazed. How are you doing today, Taylor? Thanks so much for joining us. No problem. I'm fine. So, Taylor, for people who maybe are listeners but might not be so familiar with your work, although I feel like our audience probably is, um, why, why, why do you think that we, we wanted to talk to you about Monstax? Because I have spent way too much time covering this band. That's not even a, that's not even a bad thing. I've spent a lot of time covering this band of the past year. I think it really ramped up last year, and now I just seem to see them way too often. And it's like every couple of months, there they are in front of my face. You say that like it's a bad thing. It's actually a terrible thing. I can't believe I keep getting roped into this. No, I'm kidding. They're, <laughs> they're absolutely delightful, and I wish I could spend more time with them. There's cuties. Mm-hmm. Well, so Monster X is a seven-member boy band. They debuted in 2015. They came out of the Mnet survival show No Mercy, and I was surprised to see that too. That must have been summer of 2014, right? Oh, God, I'm actually I'm actually glad I watched No Mercy after I found the group because I think if I'd seen the show first, I probably wouldn't have been that interested. Oh, as interested. It was brutal. I think I just would have felt really sorry for them. Just thought, oh, I need an emotional break from this, but I don't. I don't, I don't know. It's my my relationship with Monstrex has kind of been weird from the get go. So, how did you find out about Monstrex, Taylor? Mm, I stumbled on. It's not even stumbled. I saw the Hero rooftop performance, mm. which was end of two thousand and fifteen, I think. So, I was about to say that's kind of like not late because obviously that was pretty early in their career, but it was still right. like not debut EP. It wasn't. And I, I don't know. I can't remember. I have a memory like a, like a sieve. So if you told me like last year I was doing X, Y, Z, I'd be like, sure, I'll believe you. Cause I have no idea. So <laughs> going back to 2015, trying to work out why I wasn't there for the debut is like, I don't know, finding a needle in a haystack, but whatever the case, I wasn't there. I didn't see it. I saw the rooftop version and, and I was actually kind of scared of them. Because so, now that I know them, the, the irony is pretty big. Um, <laughs> but I thought, ooh, they look bitchy. I don't like them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there was a couple of members I just thought, oh, bitch face, bitch face. And yeah, I was just like, um, I'm not, I'm not here, really here for that. So yeah, but I really liked the song and I kind of stuck, stuck with it and then fell down the rabbit hole as we all do. Do you all have any thoughts about the name Monster X? Apart from the fact, apparently, I always say it wrong. Oh, really? Am I saying I, it wrong? I don't know. See, I know it's Monster, Monster yeah. X, but when yeah. I say it, I always, everyone's always like, you say monster. And I'm like, not intentionally. Monster. <laughs> You're not even American. That's like not even how you monster, pronounce monster. So everything's like monster, monster, mm. monster. Monster. I feel like it's easier for you to say Monster X. But I'm also living in in England for over a decade, so my accent is wackadoodle. But 
I can't say it. Monster X. Monster X. Oh, God. Why did I agree to this episode? <laughs> it sounds like you're saying Monster X to me. I think Monster. it sounds right. Yeah. And what's their, what's their fan group name? Mon Baby. Ah. Mm. Yeah. So, Mon, what is it? The Mon Mine Star, My Star, My Babe. No, yeah, it, it's, it's like My Baby because, like, they're the monster, monster, and, like, monster mixed with star and starship, mm -hmm. uh, the X, and then it's m My Baby. Oh, there you go. I think it's more clever than I actually like it. Like, there are fandom names that I, I think are, like, really fun for the fans to be called. And I, I don't know. I just never really thought Mon Baby worked. I quite like it, to be honest, Mon Baby. I think it's just like it sounds cute, but not overly cute. So. Mm, that's good. Mm. I think it sounds overly cute, so we're going to have to disagree on this one. Well, better than what was BAP, just Baby, which is baby, just. Baby, yeah. Uh, it's like mm. that was too cute. It's like, Baby, Baby. It's interesting that you mentioned BAP because when I when I think of Monster X's sort of, you know, niche, the bombastic hip hop that they do, I always think of BAP. It seems like they're sort of in that category. Actually, I would agree with you. I would say when they came through, I did think of BAP, but I also, I mean, I also thought of BTS, you know, going back and looking at something like trespass as a video it's literally like when bts did no more dream you know they just went "Ooh, what's trendy what's cool and dressed them in off-white and it didn't suit them at all which was the same as bts when they first came out well i feel like that was a lot of the conversation at the time was monster x's debut was a few years after bts's but bts and monster x and a lot of other ones at that time were being compared to bap because bap's debut was just so impactful and i feel like Everybody was trying to still do that really aggressive boy band debut format, like with hip hop. I think it's hilarious because now we see all these groups, whether it's BTS or, you know, even BAP when they started kind of getting out of that blonde children of the damned kind of look, <laughs> um, you know, all those personalities, all that clothing dissolved away from <laughs> the band as the personality started coming through. And I think mm -hmm. K-pop bands still go through, I'm, I know I'm digressing here, but K-pop bands still go through that phase of like, no one knows who these guys are or girls are. So we dress them all identically and just save ourselves a whole pile of trouble and off you go. <laughs> So one, one thing we like to do when we're discussing a group is sort of take a snapshots of their career and we've each picked a song from a, a different point in Monster X's career to talk about and I, I picked Trespass because I like Trespass um, I can actually sing I can actually rap the rap of Trespass which is the only oh k-pop rap I've ever actually been able to do I don't know do why what? I did it in wow. do do I'm what? definitely do not going to do it oh, right come now on. <laughs> yeah, I'm very drunk at karaoke <laughs> um, but yeah I, I think Trespass has surprised me over the years it's still the monster x song that like i really like at the time that it came out i feel like a lot of people were just like oh they're bap they're like imitating bap like we just said and i and i i don't want this whole episode to be about that but i think it, it's really telling that you know they've moved away from that sound because even as much as i like it like as a listening experience because it is really dynamic and really powerful and they sound great 
this song isn't what Monster X sounds like now. As far as an MV goes, it looks horribly dated, even though it's barely three years old. Yeah. Oh, God. Do you remember Cross Jeans, uh, Nahago Nolja? Mm-hmm. It, it reminds me of that crossed with No More Dream. And I keep looking at that just going, both of those other videos have dated pretty badly as well. So whenever I see Trespass, I'm like, oh, oh God, what are those outfits? What's with the police thing? I don't get it. Why? I think even when it came out, I remember being like, I watched your show. I'm trying to be supportive. And I do like the sound of this. Like, this is very catchy. But you guys did not like go the right route for visual aspect. I should probably say this. I was really, really, really mad about how No Mercy ended because I didn't feel that the show really highlighted Young One and Min Hyuk. And I thought that they really did a disservice on the show by bringing in I Am at the detriment of of Sharp Gun so clearly. If anybody watched the show, you probably know what I'm talking about. But like, I didn't feel like when I was watching the final episode the choices made sense. So when they had this single that I did really like the sound of it, but then it didn't seem to highlight anything about the group except really Juhan um, and key animes a, a little bit. I just felt like it was kind of Starship proving that they didn't know what they were doing at the end of No Mercy. And it was like a really weird foot to start off their career on in my mind. When you say Monster X the Sound has moved away from Trespass, it to me it hasn't, it hasn't. There's signifiers and or bits of that of that video, of that sound that have always been within Monster X. It's it's devolved and evolved at the same time, but you know, I know a Monster X song when I, when you hear one straight off the bat and and Trespass is literally the birthplace of it. So I, I still think they sound pretty samey, I think. Well, I meant more just because, like, it, they're not all just Juhan anymore. Ah, okay. <laughs> uh, I thought you meant, like, the structure of, like, in the instrumental. But but the, the parts, the part, well, the focus, yes, has definitely shifted between the members. Yeah, we actually get other members. Well, it took a, it took, it takes a while. <laughs> so after Trespass, because I was the earliest one, which, which song did you guys want to talk about that was after? So I wanted to talk about Stuck. So Stuck was not really a single. It was like a special performancey thing. I mean, it's not even really an MV. It's a performance video, if that. Um, and the reason I wanted to talk about that because I feel like that is a pinnacle moment of Monster X and the trajectory. I feel like that's that's a, like a milestone. I guess is the better word to use. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but for me, that era of like hero and stuck is kind of what I think of when I think of Monster X. It's important to me as a as a as a fan because that's when I moved from being casual fan into hardcore fan. So I mean, off the top of my head, this was the beginning of uh, a change in dynamic. So this was uh, stuck gave us I am and Juan trading lines instead of having big whopping chunks each within a song and it really shoved the song forward a lot faster it really like it ticked up the the pace it, it just felt a lot cleaner and a lot more sophisticated i really like the speed rap in it i'm kind of a sucker for that and and in korean i think especially that sounds really sounds really cool <laughs> Hey! 
I got the impression that you spent a lot of time with him, like more than just one of those quick 15-minute interviews. I spent so much time with I actually wanted to... I wanted to say, like, you actually had a really unique experience, I think, in the K-pop world, which is very rare, which isn't just like, you know, like a 15, 20 minute interview or even like an hour interview. We actually spent a day or, or two or three, I think, for one of your pieces, which is just so, so rare. And like, I know this is getting super off topic from the songs that we're actually talking about. But do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So uh, I did a piece for The Guardian. I mean, it took ages to <laughs> to convince Starship to do this, which, of course, we all know no record company really wants you privy to all the, you know, behind the smoke and the mirrors. So I think that was quite a privilege, but you know, the, it had gotten to the point where the boys were really comfortable with me. I felt really comfortable with them and they, I think they just trusted me enough to not kind of pursue anything more than what, what was there. So, and in that respect, I'm talking like, you know, every, every Western non K-pop focused magazine seems to want to talk about the dark side of k-pop and i and i specifically didn't want to i just wanted to see what was really going on for myself so yeah i spent a couple of days with them in seoul while they were promoing for jealousy it was probably the most exhausting few days of my life i've never been so tired (laughs) and they were like you're not even dancing and i'm like i know And I also think it's so emotionally, I don't think people appreciate how emotionally exhausting it is to sort of have to be on and be performing or giving interviews or whatever, in in addition to just the physical exhaustion. It's really hard to explain because they are Monster X off stage, but when they go on stage, everything is ramped up by like a thousand percent. You know, Min Hyuk is, we all know he's very noisy and like super sweet. And when he was like, you know, in the dressing room, he was just like sat on his own, on his phone, just being chilled out. And then you go over and talk to him and he's like, not that's, you know, but (laughs) obviously not making just random noises at me, but, you know, he was, the energy was real. And then when we went on stage, the energy just went like up another notch. So I feel like just whenever I'm talking to like an editor or somebody who doesn't know K-pop, they always push that. Well, it's all fake except what you see on camera. And I, I just feel like I just did an interview with somebody that, hopefully this will get expressed really well in, but like that none of it's actually, you know, like these aren't fake people, like they're real people, even if like it's kind of hyped up that extra notch. It's not like they're acting and there's not a total disconnect between who they are on stage versus who they are off camera. Yeah, so Jealousy is a 2018 track. That's that's my pick from Monster X's career. The reason I really like this track, it's just, I mean, it's a very, it's very much a dance track. Super catchy. It's got really strong hooks. It has two rap sections, which to me is at least one too many. But I, the, the the rap section in the verse is is pretty good. But if there's a Monster X song, you know, that's going to get stuck in my head, I think this is probably Jealousy. I love jealousy. And the weirdest thing is when I went out to see them, I was like, hmm, do I like jealousy? And I could not make up my mind. And now months and months later, I've realized that that is literally my favorite lead single of theirs because Stuck was not a lead single. I'm just going to stand by that. But um, <laughs> I mean, that is just, it's its beautifully done. The production's insane. The 80s twist that comes through it, like the echoing that, I mean, 
the thing with Gion is that he's always been a talented vocalist, but in the early years, he hadn't quite mastered the emotional push behind it. So you listen to the older stuff and he can hit the notes, absolutely, but there's something lacking behind it. And by by jealousy, he has, like, he has mastered that with flying colors and the warmth and the emotion that comes off his, I mean, this is really his song, you know, his ad-libs, he's all like, not going to do the vocals, but he's like, oh, yeah, it's like going up and down and left, right. And then there's power notes. And I'm like, boy, oh my God, you're killing it. So yeah, well, maybe that takes us to their most recent album, which was released at the end of October. Take one. Are you there? Shootout is a single from that. And they've done an English version of that also. What did you all think of that album and that, and that single? Uh, shootout's just classic Monster X, isn't it? After doing Drama Rama and then Jealousy, I thought we were on a different path, but no. Yeah, I, I yeah. like, oh, we're going to get something even more crazy, and we didn't. I was like, oh. That 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 might be my my biggest criticism. I tend I kind of heard it and was like, oh, we've heard this before, and then I, I focused on the music video, which I think was really cool. Mm, chest. <laughs> I just really liked the vibration memes that came out of it. Um, but no, I liked... Chest vibration. I liked the seven deadly sins, um, like, elements of it. I didn't get the connection between that and the lyrics and the dance. I have so. no idea what the connections were. I just liked the visual yeah. elements, but oh, right. I, I just, I do think that I, I, I listened to it, and then I listened to it again, and I like. I think I've listened to this before. I, I think that's only a problem because I've listened to so much Monsta X. Because if you like Monsta X's sound, then this is a great song, and it's quintessentially Monsta X. Because I'm a writer, and writing about this stuff at a certain point, I don't know how to describe Monsta X's sound over and over and over again without plagiarizing myself. So I, <laughs> I kind of want something else here. Right. They know what they're doing and they really like what they're, I hope they like what they're doing. Their fans seem to like what they're doing, but I don't know. I, when we were talking about doing this episode, I think someone, was it Steven or Taylor? One of you like pitched the idea of like discussing how K-pop isn't so innovative or weird or experimental as maybe it used to be a few years ago. And Monstax's singles kind of highlight that for me because they all sound really good and a little bit different, but not different enough. Yeah, and I get that because someone like CLC, you know, they cycled through quite a lot of sounds. So they've, I think it's more of like finding their style, which they've never really kind of grabbed onto. Yeah. But I mean, Monster X have found that Monster X at the other end of the spectrum where they have found their style and now they're not letting go. So take one, I think as an album is, has some really magical moments in it. So like I said, myself blew me away. It's it's not like anything I've ever heard before from a K-pop group. And maybe I just haven't heard the right songs, but, you know, hearing that kind of like, it was like the Cocteau Twins, it was Stone Roses, it was, you know, Slow Dive, Mazzy Star, like all that kind of very 90s, 80s dream pop. So I was like, oh, you've ticked about 50 of my boxes right now and you haven't even started singing. So, <laughs> and then I thought Omai oh was great. It kind of brought up vintage Monster X sound, brought it up to date. Heart Attack was good. The intro sounded like a MacBook ad. Don't know why they put it on there. What did you guys think about the English version of Shootout? Unnecessary? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm almost always against the, the English versions, but I wonder if it 
indicate, you know, I know they've done international touring. Do you get the feeling that they're focusing internationally a little bit or they're at least, uh, you know, thinking about expanding that? Well, I mean, they're coming here for Jingle Ball performances and I feel like maybe Shootout came out of that where they were like, well, nobody knows you. So why don't you do something in English? And I don't, I, I'm not thinking that like they really shoot out because I heard radio told them to, but they probably figure like how NCT was like, we're going to go on English shows and we're going to sing an English song. Kind of a similar, if we want to break into the US market, we have to do the English thing, which I thought we got over, but I guess we're back to it. Yeah. It's back. Yeah. I don't, I don't necessarily think it's, you know, people are thinking that's the only way we're going to do this. I think at the same time, it's like I, I know I can find Korean content, um, well, the English version of Korean content, but sometimes it's you know it's it's almost like a little extra for fans, like a thank you, maybe rather than a massively concerted marketing ploy to do stuff in English. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It doesn't necessarily have to be a major commitment. Uh, it's not. It's not like doing an English album, for example. Oh God, please. God no! <laughs> I just whenever someone says something like that, I get that Steve Carell thing in my head. I'm like, no, no, no. Well, we probably need to move on, but uh, I hate to end with uh, with that as the end of our our Monster X section. Do you have any do you have any thoughts about where Monster X is going? Do you think you're going to be able to bring us some great Monster X content, Taylor, in the future? Do you know what? Uh, hand on heart, I mean, I. I am biased um, sometimes when it comes to Monster X because I really, really just want them to get out of that middle tier. You know, they've been in this middle E tier for quite a while. And I just, and, and the ones that kind of came up around them, so 17, Got 7, you know, they've all kind mm. of stagnated a little. And Monster X, I literally, everyone talks like about, oh, BTS is putting out so much content, blah, blah, blah. But so Monster X, I mean, the space between their albums is literally like, I don't know, three or four months. And it just, it's relentless. Yeah, I looked at their discography and they, they don't have a year that they don't have three or four albums. I just hope they get some sleep. For sure. I don't know. I think you're right about them being in a weird place. And I can't, I wouldn't say I can't figure it out, but I do think, because we talked about this quite a bit, like I think that maybe now that they have a sound that fans know, they need to come up with a sound that the audience can know. Like we're not really past the era where you still need a breakout hit in K-pop. Like you can you can be a solid group and just have a audience. And if that's what you want, that's great. But if you want something more, you need to have like a huge hit that really, you know, smashes out this the audience in Korea. Or, you know, take the BTS route and aim for the US market or something. But I don't think Monster X is defined enough yet. Not defined enough, but like they don't have a sound that resonates enough with people who aren't their fans. I agree with you. I think that they they've niched niched. Is that a word? They've niched themselves. It is now. It is now. I've just made that. You're listening to me, Oxford Dictionary. Niched is a word. They have they have niched themselves, but you know they've they've like I said they've they've held onto that signature sound so tightly it doesn't feel like they can actually let go of it now. It's almost like a um a, a comfort blanket. I. Yeah, I feel like maybe they need to just do something really, really crazy dynamic right now. Like <laughs> totally just undo their sound and But Jealousy did that. Jealousy all like Jealousy really unpacked 
most of their sound down to, I mean, you can still hear all the Monster X flourishes going on underneath. So that really grindy synth and the kind of the whirring, you know, they love that kind of kind of thing. That was all there, but when t- they pushed it right down to the to the bottom. And I mean, that just works so much for me. And Jealousy is like, I, I cannot get enough of that song. I listen to it. It's out of, and Shine Forever, really weirdly. I don't know why. Everyone t- seemed to hate that song. Like, Shine Forever. Ugh, that was a bad repack. And I'm like, are you kidding? That was genius. But yeah, Jealousy, Jealousy was my, is my benchmark for them now. I'm like, go back to where you were with Jealousy and where you've come to with myself and go up another notch. Like, you've got you've got it like you're there you're ready please just just do it for the for just for me please (laughs) i'm with you on that all right well let's start with our unmuted k-pop picks where we each pick a song that that we've been thinking about maybe something that we like not always but uh, i think you've picked one that you like tomorrow yeah i'm I'm pretty happy with this i just want to say in general i mean i guess if you're boy band stand solely you won't care but a lot of girl groups have recently like in the past like two months come out with really fun songs after a year that I kind of was pretty bored of girl group stuff EXID's I Love You is the latest in in uh like a whole slew of songs from girl groups that I'm really happy with it's the first Korean song in over a year to have Solji back which is always really nice Yay. and uh, if you don't know EXID like they're always in a really weird place where they know that their audience is watching them. <laughs> and when I say that, I say that quite explicitly because EXID's whole claim to fame is that they got popular through a viral fan cam of Hani dancing. So I think it's really interesting how like every single EXID single has an element to it where like they know they're being watched. So like their music videos are very fittingly made with the audience's intention in mind and like the girls kind of at this point just run with it and have fun so if you haven't seen the i love you music video it's literally it's literally like filled with muppets and the women like pretending to vomit over like a hangover over a bad breakup and stuff and it's just like this whole really comical experience which i think they do really well they've done a lot of music videos that are are kind of humorous because they kind of know that they're sexy and they know that audiences are looking at them a certain way and they're just kind of like well if that but as for the song I think that it sounds very EXID without rehashing the exact same thing that they've done all the times and I actually had like a big fight with a friend who was like this sounds exactly like every EXID song it has that retro feel to it it has that like catchy kind of swayy hook to it it does keep those elements definitely for the chorus but i think that you know the audio sampling of the i love you la 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 part is kind of fun and it and when i heard it when i heard the song for the first time i don't know if this is a compliment or not it sounded like something that k-pop hasn't been doing recently it sounded a little bit more western to me It's funny you mentioned your first reaction because I I really like that right out of the gate the I love you like sample that's repeated over and over but but to me it just it got to be too dominant like it was all I was hearing in the song I'm, af- I'm afraid it's not going to have a you know a lot of longevity for me mm, that's just I me like but yeah <laughs> I think I think it's definitely not 
my favorite AXID song. Um, but because I can imagine how fun it'll be to perform this and how fun it'll be to just hear this. I think that EXID is like kind of a sleeper group in my mind where like I'm not like a, a stan or a, even I wouldn't really call myself a fan, but I think there are some of the best performers out there. So for them to decide to like release a song that doesn't necessarily put them themselves in like the focal point as the hook, it's kind of just a really interesting position where they're like, this is what we do really well and we're going to do it. And then we're going to put something else that's going to throw you off. And that's what's going to get stuck in your head. It's just very irreverent. And I like that. It doesn't take itself seriously, so it wins points for me just by being, yeah, like you said, sassy and um, it's enjoyable. Like I, I agree with you, Stephen. I think that it doesn't have a lot of legs for me. I think within a few months, if I played that too much, I'd be like, I do not want to hear this song anymore. Like for a very long time. But while it's while it's new and I'm I'm enjoying it, it's got big thumbs up from, from me. Maybe just one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got shot down. But what about you guys? What songs are you? guys into i picked uh simon says from the nc127 repackage because uh, there i am talking about another boy song damn Wait, it is that is that the sm version of uh monster x <gasps> no no okay my fault monster x and monster x honey <laughs> so i picked nct's 127 which is a repack i listened to it and watched it at the same time which i tend to try and avoid doing because as we all know k-pop videos are immensely distracting because they're just generally quite um, beautiful and you kind of go oh everything's and you just can't focus but I mean the video is ridiculous it's BM architecture I and mean, these guys are just so good at what they do so it looks great but the song is just this wall of sound so the first time you listen to it you're like what the fuck is going on here which is how I got into k-pop because every time I got into a into a new song, which was like 2010 kind of thing. I was like, what's that? Oh my God, what is that over there? Just, ah. You know, it was like nothing made sense. And this song is one of those songs where you just think, I, I, can't, I can't, I can't do this. And then, you know, you listen to it a few more times and you start to pull it apart and you're like, this is so smart. It's simple and yet immensely complex at the same time. And pulling that off is something that I think SM have mastered. They haven't done it as much over, you know, as well, as much as I would like them to do. But um, this is like back to the being pinnacle of or masters of making a little thing and like weaving this tapestry where you just like it just overwhelms you. And yeah, it's just amazing. So. the Simon says I didn't really kind of like I was just like oh, that's a bit random but at the same time we all know you know random English phrases in Korean songs are like you just you either love it or hate it but you just deal with it so this is actually really cool and I'm trying I shouldn't even say this because I'm trying to write a piece on it um but SM has for like the past maybe five years oh, yeah. incorporated nursery rhymes into songs and and <laughs> I'm like obsessed with it. I'm just like, who's the songwriter? Is it? Who is it? Um, so I don't know. I just think it's really cool and really interesting. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I posted last night because I was listening to it and I was listening to the Hei Chan's gorgeous falsetto 
and then it like went into Tails Power Note. And I was like, ooh, where have I heard this before? And it was um, Exo's Mama. Mm. So that bit where it kind of bleeds from Theo to Beckian. And then Beckian's like, ah! you know, kind of <laughs> try it. But, you know, when it goes all the way up and then drops into the, you know, the mama kind of thing. And I was like, ah, so really I, I'm getting deja vu, but in the best way possible. I think the mama the mama comparison is really apropos. Like I've been talking to a lot of people about how this reminds me of like the early days of a lot of pretty much every single SM group of the past decade, aside from shiny had that like really dramatic few moments of their early songs. And it was like kind of tied into the whole SMP SM performance elements. And this song is definitely like a modern update of SMP, which we haven't really seen SM doing in a while. I know you said you watched uh, Simon says, with the music video the first time I didn't I heard the song a few days ago and I like hated it on the first listen like I like couldn't well first of all I'm gonna I'm gonna just say it I got really upset by the intro (laughs) um I didn't recognize what it was at first I have since seen someone say on Twitter that it's it's a Maori haka and I just got so mad and I was just like why do we need to do this oh I love it but then again I've you know, I'm Australian, so Maori chants are pretty, you know, we, we, we learn about them as kids. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think my first listen of it was kind of like my first listen of Mama way back when, where I was just like, what the hell just happened here? What am I listening to? I need to see this performed, which I think is kind of the intent of it, that this is something that is tied intrinsically to the performance element of the song. Um, I wouldn't disagree. I mean, because when you watch the dance, you know, the my, 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 my thing and the arm movement, such a simple move and yet so effective. And now when I hear the song, I see that move in my head and it kind of solidifies it for me. But I don't know. I mean, I like I when NCTU came out and it was like, you know, seven cents and all that. And everyone was like, oh, I don't like it. What? Who said that? <laughs> there were like a lot of people that were just like, this is weird. And it doesn't like it's not. Like it's not SM kind of like it's not what you bring out. <laughs> okay. And I was like, I was like, oh no, what? You know, this is pushing freaking boundaries here. This is so good. So, but that's what SM I, has always done. I don't know. Maybe they just packaged it up a little differently. Like when I, I remember seeing Mama, and the bit that weirded me out was just the intro. Oh, the chanting? No, 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 not the chanting. The guy doing the voiceover. Ten thousand years as a planet, and everyone falls off the planet, and they live on X. It's like, what the freaking hell is going on here? Oh no, I'm down with this crap, but like. I was bloody genius, but yeah, just the build-up to it was like this feels ridiculous. <laughs> well, Simon, what do you, um, Simon Stephen? What do you think about it? Simon says? Well, that my first yeah, my first impression was those masks were way too creepy for me. I'm not into that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's cool. It's the the instrumental. My impression is it's mostly a beat. You know, it's not doesn't obviously have a lot of melody and stuff like that but I think it, I think I need some more listens it's one of those that it's it's weird and I can't and it, I don't immediately love it but I think I need to listen to it some more to really form an opinion I mean it's definitely interesting which is that's what I'm looking for so uh, I'm I'm in favor of it I'm and I'm going to give it some more listens do you know what though? When when songs are made on those minimal beats, so um, Icon's "Killing Me," 
you know, there's not a lot going on instrumentally in that song. And yet yeah. you, it's so hard to build on top of that. And so when when groups do do, do these really minimalist stuff, which NCT does, of course their B-sides are like these lavish, gorgeous R&B productions. But, um, yeah, it's just it blows me away even more because there's so much structuring and cooperation between voices that needs to go on. It's just, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm crying because it's so good. <laughs> and I just want to say for the record, Killing Me was a great song. I don't care what everyone says. Well, the song that I wanted to talk about this episode is uh, I wanted to pick a song off EXO's Don't Mess Up My Tempo album because I think okay. that may, may be the best album of the year. The, the, and the problem was it was really hard because there's not one song that really jumps out as the song on the album. So, you're wrong. Uh, yeah, you're yeah, wrong. I know. It's <laughs> definitely Oasis. It's Gravity. Come on. It's funny. I thought about talking about Gravity. London Noise has a, a really interesting video where they break down what they did putting that song together. And it's just amazing how many tracks and how many effects they have on each noise and, I mean, each sound. And But I didn't choose Gravity. And I didn't choose, don't mess up my tempo. What I chose was Ooh La La, Ooh La La La. Yeah. Good song there. And uh, it's really good. It could have been really boring. It's It's got a samba, bossa nova kind of Latin beat. But what I really love about it is the, the synths, you know, not the guitar so much, but the synths are so, they sound so sour and dissonant to me. It makes it a really super interesting song. And, you know, speaking of longevity, I, I think I could listen to the song over and over. It would take a long time for me to get tired. tired of it. Another thing that we've talked about on the show, there's there's no rap in it. Like even Chaniel is singing on this song. That's not a bad so, thing. I'm a fan mm-hmm. of that. Yeah, that was great. To me, um, la 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 la. That song was one of the standouts for me. The whole front of the album is like the better half for me. I know you really like Oasis, which is mm. back, but you know it's just uh, I don't know. I would have chosen Gravity. I mean that was my that was my that was my song, but yeah, ooh la la la. It is four la la la's, isn't it? It's three. Ooh la la well, la, la la la. In the title, it's three. Oh, why do they make it so difficult? <laughs> Not in the song. <laughs> um, I agree. It's got longevity, and that's the one thing I love about EXO B sides is that they are just as good, sometimes better than their title tracks. And I've never, I've got an iPod, yes, because I still have an iPod, full of EXO B sides. They're just, they're that good. I do want to say that I think EXO has some of the best consistent albums, like, in the industry. Like, when I heard Tempo, was it Don't Mess Up My Tempo is the, is the album name? Yeah. I, I think, I think it's very rare for, like, it to be a consensus from, like, a lot of people who I talk to. Like, I talk to a lot of writers. And, like, I, I think it's very rare for there to be a consensus where everyone's like, this is a really solid album. This is, like, an album of the year from, like, the first listen. But with this album it did feel like a lot of people were just like, this is one of the most solid albums because the B-sides are just so, so good. And so like explicitly EXO while still adding something new sound wise, like 
sorry, Monster X to go back to this, but like, it's not like every single B-side sounds like a B-side from their past albums and that they're just rehashing. I would, I would disagree on, on for this album, for this album. I thought the war added more to the EXO canon than Don't Mess Up My Tempo did. So I agree with I you, but I think that these all did it really well. Like these weren't, they weren't remaking EXO sound at all, but they were, you know, playing with some new things while keeping it very consistent i think I, I think we'd be splitting hairs i think you'd have to get in track by track by track mm. to kind of like for me to prove that point that you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean overall yes it's super consistent it's super solid it's not my favorite exo album it doesn't even have a you know it doesn't even come close to what i would consider my favorite exo album but i agree with you it, it, it does provide some really really good moments but you know i can tell where every one of those songs comes from from the EXO that has already preceded it. But isn't you know, that like, nice? Like, I think that's that was really nice for me. It's comforting. I know what I'm getting. And because EXO is so good, I'm kind of okay. I'm, I'm more than okay with that. I'm like, oh, great. You know, I know I'm getting a great album. I just, I don't know. I just think they're at the stage in their career where, you know, they're so successful where you can, you can, you can throw some, like, weird crap in the mix. And they did that with Coco Bop. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Taylor. It was really a fun time talking to you and actually finally getting to connect. Thank you guys all for listening to this episode of Cult Scene's K-Pop Unmuted. Uh, if you want, you can follow us at Cult Scene or at K-Pop Unmuted on Twitter. You can listen to this podcast and other podcasts on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes Store, Stitcher, wherever else you listen to podcasts, I think. I don't know. Um, and Taylor, where can people I'll look you up on the internet. Uh, you can look me up in uh, UK felons. Okay. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter. That's probably the one channel I actually use to do anything on, and I can't remember my handle. I think it's underscore xtgx. But yeah, I'm. I'm you'd find me. <laughs> but follow, follow the follow the smell of sinister. <laughs> Um, and yeah, and um, I just wanted to give a big shout out to Scott and Durante, who edits our podcast. Thank you so much, Scott. And Stephen, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at Tennessee Appeal on Twitter. And by the way, Taylor, I'm looking at her Twitter handle. It is mm-hmm. underscore XTGX. Thank you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tamar Writes and read my work at Billboard and Forbes if you want to. But yeah, thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll you'll hear us again next time. <laughs>